Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Well, hi again, everybody. Doug Miles and uh, Don Henderson as we come to you today. First day of April, yeah, in uh, Sarasota, Florida. And uh, Don, a beautiful day. We had a chance, obviously, to see uh, a lot of spring training this year. But uh, this week was finally opening day. Yes, it was. We saw a lot of Baltimore, and they got off to a great start up at Fenway Park on Thursday. Uh, won the game. He had a big lead and sort of let it slip away, but won the game, I think, it was 11-9 to was the final score. And uh, really, they played very, very well. And the youngsters, uh, we'll see how they do during the regular season. They've got a great farm system. They've got 10 players that are in the top 25 in, in all of baseball in the farm system. Many of them are now with the parent club for a period of time. And we'll see whether they can carry over. A lot of optimism, obviously, we uh, saw in uh, the whole spring training because they had a good season last year, finished third in the division, and uh, they had not had that in a long time. But I think they left camp uh, feeling pretty good about them. And especially the second half. They had a very, very solid second half. The younger players started to develop. One thing they don't have is a great deal of depth in starting pitching. Everybody's hoping that somewhere along the line between now and the trading deadline, which is a long way off, they came up with a legitimate starter. Right. And they really need one solid starter. Yeah, pitching, obviously, always the name of the game in right. baseball. And uh, I know you and I were talking uh, while we're at some of the spring training games uh, you know, about the Mets. Uh, for one example, Justin Verlander signed that huge contract and, of course, uh, doesn't even get to pitch the opening game. Or yeah. second, actually, it would have been the second game of the year. But he's out with a shoulder injury. Yeah, unfortunately, a muscle pull and... Uh, they don't, they're not really giving a definitive answer as to it how long. It sounds good from what I heard. Yeah, so that, uh, uh, Buck's not really saying how long they think it's going to be. Uh, they put him on the 10-day disabled list, but uh, a disability list. But at the same time, that's uh, just for a few days to see what's happening. Yeah, I know you and I were kind of just saying, uh, you know, good for him to get that kind of money, but it was 38-39, and he signed him to that huge contract. You hope to get one good year out of him, but uh, to come out of camp and then all right away have that shoulder injury, which sounded almost like a rotator cuff kind of injury. Well, Cohen's going to uh, experience the same thing that many owners do uh, coming in. Uh, he put out all this money, uh, 300 what, 330 million, right? 90 million, I think, total payroll. This year, almost 400 million. <clears throat> and uh, what happens is you, you come down with injuries, and Verlander uh, didn't get to pitch the first game. And, and that's the things that happen in baseball. You have to hope that you have enough depth to uh, work around the injuries like that. And we'll see whether Buckshaw Waller can do it. And Verlander was supposed to be the guy that uh, kind of shored up the, the pitching staff because uh, Scherzer. Got injured last year, kind of fell, uh, you know, fell tired at the end of the year and couldn't pitch uh, into that playoff game. Exactly the same thing that happened to him in the years before. When he got into September, he got a tired arm, and uh, they were yeah, trying. Yeah, years before that, right? Yeah, they were trying to go with a uh, with a six-man rotation so that they wouldn't have to use those two pitchers too much early in the early part of the season. Really hold off and save them. But now, since Scherzer didn't really pitch badly, but he didn't come out. It's really a tired arm more yeah, than an injury. He didn't really pitch well in the first, and I shouldn't say well. He did not pitch as well as you would have expected in the first game. The Mets won it, but the Scherzer didn't have a great day. Yeah. 
Yankees, of course, get off to that uh, great opening day start. They always seem to have a great opening day, and uh, they did not disappoint the uh, uh, close to sellout, right? You watched that game uh, from New York, Yankee Stadium, and, uh, of course, Judge hits the home run, and uh, Cole has a good outing. I would imagine that they uh, called it a sellout, but uh, they always seem to so, uh, so fudge that a little bit. <laughs> He, t- he talks about those people that are in the empty seats there about having a drink in the lounge. Right. And <laughs> the $2,000 seats. <laughs> yeah. So we'll wait and see what happens. But they, you know, they had a marvelous crowd. It was a little chilly, around 40 degrees. Uh, but uh, the Yankees got off to a great start. Second pitch, you know, home run to start the season. Yeah. So uh, that, that turned out to be a great start. I did not get a chance to see the Rays at all. Did you get a chance to see any of their opening games? I did see a little bit of the Rays, and uh, they won their opening game as well. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, a lot of there was a lot of good baseball. The White Sox, I've seen two of their games so far. <clears throat> Excuse me, and they got off to a good start yeah, they, for they their new manager. Larosa the retired, there. yeah, and uh, they got off to a good start. They were supposed to be an outstanding club last year. They were very disappointing. Just hung around 500. Never really a factor. But it looks like they've got things together right now. And I think the White Sox are going to be tough in their division. Yeah, they should be pretty good. A couple of uh, pitch clock uh, uh, controversies, violations during the week. I saw a couple of videos, one in the Mets game. where Actually, it was kind of a weird one. They said the runner at first base did not get back to the bag in time, which in turn kind of slowed down the pitcher, and they called, uh, I believe they called a ball on the pitcher. Yeah, Buck Schoenwaller said he wants a clarification. One third base umpire said one thing. The home plate umpire said something else. The first base umpire said something else. So he was going to get a clarification after the game because he thought it was a bad call. Yeah, yeah I think there was another game, too, when uh, I believe one of the Boston game. There was a called strike uh, on the batter not looking like he was ready. So right. there's a few of them that happened around the league. And the umpires, like you said, seemed a little bit uh, confused about what to do. But the good thing about it is the average game for the first day when all the teams played, the average uh, game was uh, three hours and forty or two hours and forty minutes. some minutes, yeah. and that's exactly what they wanted. They wanted to get under three hours. <clears throat> They're well under three hours, uh, two hours and forty-six minutes, two hours and forty-five minutes, and yesterday's games, uh, a lot of them were very quick as well. Yeah, and really, no reason a game, yeah. a nine-inning game, should go uh, more than three hours. No, no. Even with all the pitching changes. You said the Yankees did some pitching changes, but their game was still around 240, right? Yeah, so around 240. And uh, the Red Sox a little longer because they uh, it was 11 and 9, I think, the final score. Right, right. So, anyway, uh, interesting, uh, at least half the week. It started the middle of the week. So, uh, baseball underway a bit earlier than normal. But uh, we'll see how that goes. Let's move on now, of course, this weekend, the Final Four in basketball. Don, I know you've been uh, glued to your set watching not only the men, but uh, the women as well. Well, I'll tell you, I watched the women's semifinals last night. And uh, Dawn Staley, of course, from Philadelphia and a great coach at South Carolina, had won 36 consecutive games and lost last night by four. A young lady by the name of Clark uh, for <coughs> the opposition, Iowa, which I didn't know that much about Iowa. But this young lady has scored 40 points in two consecutive games, the first time in the history of the women's finals or, or tournament that one player has scored more than 40 right, points. Right, back to back. And she did it in both games. And I'll tell you, what a great performance she put on uh, last night. I mean, it was, it was a great game all the way down. Dawn Staley's done a terrific job. Nobody expected South Carolina to lose, and they, uh, they lost by four. And unfortunately, on the men's side, your alma mater didn't quite make it, huh? No, I told you the story. I'm rooting for Texas to win against Miami. 
And after the game's over, my grandson told me, said, you got Miami in the pool. <laughs> and so now I'm in the Final Four. Uh, yeah, I, good news, bad news there, right? Yeah, it was good news, bad news. <laughs> I lost on Texas, but Miami is in the pool, and I'm with them. So Don uh, holds on, and uh, Miami wins. Uh, dinner's on Don. That's way, it. Right? <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. Of course, uh, UConn, uh, the overall favorite. Yes, yeah, yeah. Dan, Danny Hurley uh, has done a terrific job at UConn, and you look at their margin of victory in every game, it's been like 16 or 17 points. Yeah. They're going to be a prohibitive favorite in the semifinals as well as the finals. But it'll be interesting to see whether uh, Miami can stay with them. Uh, but it should be a it should be a fun game, and uh, then the finals, of course, will be. Uh, everybody is anticipating it's going to be UConn, and Hurley's a unique story because uh, he and his brother Bobby both coached at Wagner when, just after my grandson graduated oh, okay. from Wagner. And then he On went Staten to, Island. Yeah, he went to Rhode Island. Uh, Danny went to Rhode Island, and then of course uh, took over in Connecticut. He's been there four years. But the strange part about it is, he's one of the first Division One coaches that never was an assistant coach or head coach at any college basketball team. He came right at St. Benedict's, went to Wagner, Wagner to Connecticut. Never, oh, okay. never was an assistant coach or a head coach. Always at any, a head coach. Yep. Yeah. Never at any Division Which One. Which is an unusual path. It's very difficult yeah. to do. Uh, first one I, that I could ever think of that did it. Right. And been successful. Oh, very successful. Very. And so is his brother at Arizona State. Yeah. Of course, his brother was a famous player at Duke. Right. And then had the terrific accident, the automobile accident, and it really put him back. But now uh, he's 100%. And okay. he's, he's coaching at Arizona State. Uh, they did not get into the, the – I don't think they get into the tournament, but I don't want to say that definitely. I don't think they did. We'll wrap up, uh, kind of uh, a departure from sports, but uh, here in Sarasota the last week and through this weekend is the Sarasota Film Festival, and uh, I had a chance to see uh, one of the films last night. Uh, I guess everybody loved Mary Tyler Moore. There was a, uh, a documentary they did called Being Mary Tyler Moore that aired or, or was actually shown last night here in town. I had a chance to see it. Don, I wish you could have as well, but I know you didn't get a chance to see her when she was doing her TV show, but uh, it's actually a two-hour documentary, a little mini review here for uh, those of you out there interested. Uh, and uh, I thought it was very well done. Of course, Mary Tyler Moore, uh, back to the old Dick Van Dyke show, uh, where she played the wife of, uh, of Rob Petrie. She was Laura Petrie. Then, of course, uh, the iconic show in the 70s where she played Mary Richards, uh, working in the newsroom in Minneapolis. And kind of gives her whole life story. Uh, her husband, uh, the last husband she had was uh, a doctor. He was the producer on it, so they had a lot of uh, kind of unseen before footage and pictures uh, of her life. And uh, a little bit sad because... Uh, she had a, kind of a tough life. Her, her father was an alcoholic, and uh, she had some health problems over the years, both the diabetes, uh, dealt with a drinking problem at, at one time, and uh, uh, overcame a lot, but uh, uh, kind of left show business at the end of her career, lived up in New York for the last uh, 10 years of her life. Well, one of the interesting things, Dick Van Dyke, of course, one of the most talented actors and dancers and singers and everything he could ever come, of course, uh, with, with her in the first series, and of course, he was an alcoholic as well. Right. And she was an alcoholic and had her problems. But you said the son uh, killed himself, and then uh, she had physical health problems herself. A uh, little tragedy at the end uh, for somebody that was so successful and yet had all the problems. And, yeah. and <laughs> Dick Van Dyke's having the same problems. He ran his, first of all, his Jaguar burned up, and he was in that. Right. And then two weeks ago, he ran into a fence, into a fence. with his car. And I believe he's 97. 
96. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, well, maybe, uh, maybe you ought to give up driving for a while. At least, was, at least somebody in the car <laughs> has to but, uh, but yeah, he, he had a, a, a brief uh, clip in the movie, more voiceovers. They had a lot of people that worked with him over right? the years that, uh, and then talked about it. I thought it was very good. I thought it was, uh, if I had a criticism of it, I'd say it was too long, two hours. Okay. Uh, it's a long documentary. I mean, I love Mary Tyler Moore. Who doesn't? But and I think it also got a little bit heavy into uh, the meaning of her show. She kind of represented the uh, feminist movement, women's lib, and all that. Yeah, Maybe that's true. That I don't know. That thing about the year and all that was that her? Uh, that's Carol Burnett. Oh, that's Carol Burnett. Burnett okay. Yeah, pulling on the year. <clears throat> but uh, I thought that angle of the documentary probably added uh, maybe a half an hour too long to it. So if I, if I was going to say uh, any criticism, it was about a half an hour too long. But if you're a fan of Mary Tyler Moore, I believe this is going to be shown on HBO. So uh, a lot of the movies down here are eventually shown right. on cable. So I'd recommend it, but uh, we want to give a, a little review here of, uh, of Being Mary Tyler Moore. I let you do all my movie reviews. I don't see very many movies. You and I did the one on Balateri. <laughs> yes, ago. we did. That's the last one I saw. <laughs> At the film festival. And poor Balateri passed away. But yeah. that, that was, I got to say, that was very good. It was on HBO for a long time, yeah, too. Right. We saw it as a documentary here when it first came out, and he made a little speech afterwards. And Dick Vitale, of course, chimed in, a great tennis enthusiast. Right. And, uh, but uh, you're right. It was, uh, some of these documentaries are very, very good. His was one that was very good. Yep. He passed away last year, of course. Uh, Voluntary, I believe, it was 91. Uh, so anyway, that's our film review. But uh, Don, I'll wrap it up for this week, right? I'll do it. We'll talk to you again next time. Thanks for watching.